That can mean only one thing. Welcome to another episode of the Boom Bastic Cast. How you doing over there, Alexander? I'm doing good. How are you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Chilling, chillaxing, maxing out in the hood, up to no good. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm okay. Hunt. Yeah. Um, beautiful, glorious episode today coming to y'all folks out there in uh, podcast land. You know what I mean? We're going to uh, do not really a kind of, not really a best of, I'd say, more of like a, what we've seen of last year that was uh, kind of like some ratings of what we've seen. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? Alex, how you doing, Bubba? How you doing? How's the New Year treating you? Oh, okay. Just finished shoveling. I mean, anyone who lives in New England uh, this Sunday, uh, uh, especially in the Boston area, would know that we had a nice uh, dusting of snow. So I was out there with the folks, you know, shoveling that crap up. Would it be more yeah. like this? <laughs> you know, be but hey, you gotta do what you have to do, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. It's uh, it's, it's treacherous out there, you know. Yeah. Should be, it should probably be gone in a couple of days or so, though. So don't worry about us out there. Um, so should we talk about the films that we know we both have seen first, or how do we want to op- operate that, Alexander? Well, how about I mean, uh, I got ten, you got ten. Let's um, uh, start off. Uh, if you want to go first, that's cool. Uh, uh, you know, uh, say the movie, and then we'll. You know, dissected, give our opinions, uh, and and so forth and so on, and move from there. Dig, I dig. Um, okay, cool beans. Um, first up, I guess I wanted to say uh, Exorcist, the Believer. You know what I mean? I appreciate. Um, did you see? No, unfortunately, I did not see. Um, so uh, how was it? How, I mean, uh, it was did good. You feel- I liked it. Uh, David Gordon Green directed it, of course. Uh, I've liked him from other things. He's, he's had an interesting career. He does some dramatic stuff like, uh, Joe and Nicolas Cage, which you, you've seen that, right? You'd love oh, yeah, that. yeah. That's a good movie. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Ronnie Bevins is fantastic in there as well. Uh, but yeah, and a, a film called George Washington. I think Criterion released it. It's like, uh, a long, long time ago. Long, long time ago. But uh, good stuff, you know what I mean? Big fan of you. The Halloween films as well, which I, the first one was really good. The second one was all right. And then by the third one, I was kind of, it was kind of a little lost on me. Um, but he, he, he ventured into the world of the exorcist, you know what I mean? Uh, William Friedkin passed away, I think, right before this movie released. And he was like not happy with this movie happening. Um, or maybe just like not even not happy about it, but you know how they just, uh, I think they, you know, talk a little crap bowler or so, you know what I mean? It's almost well, like. Well, I mean, I mean, when you do something as iconic as The Exorcist, yeah. and then you have people doing their own versions or sequels or reimaginings, I mean, it, it, I mean, very few times are they better than the original. Um, uh, I think the best that a lot of them can hope for is to be, you know, different, mm. but yet fun. True. Yeah. Um, now, of course, I mean, I'm sure that both of us, uh, uh, 
even if I saw this film, would say that The Exorcist, the the uh, OG, is you know the best out of them. You've seen all the Exorcist movies, right? Um, I'm pretty. I've seen all like the main ones. I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think because there could have been one squeezed in there in the last like uh, I don't know, ten years or so. I don't know. I haven't kept up, but I've seen all the big ones. Yeah, for sure. I like the, the the originals. I think probably the scariest movie ever made. Personally, um, part three is very good. Part two is a little lost in the sauce, but it's not like the worst thing in the world. Um, and uh, what he got there, there was uh, there was one later. There was one later. Yeah, it was like it was two cuts of it, I think, or something. But yeah. I don't know. You're looking at me like a deer in the headlights. You scared me, <laughs> spooked me out. I was like, oh shit. But um, yeah, I, a lot of people were shitting on this movie. Um, I thought it was it was pretty good. You know what I mean? A lot of fanfare. Um, the mother came back. They did have uh, Reagan came back at the very end for a quick cameo. So we do see Linda Blair. Um, but I don't know. It was, it, it, Linda Blair's cameo seemed very out of place. But uh, it'd be either almost better not to have her, like had to have killed her, kill her character off behind the scenes or give her almost a bigger role. A real quick cameo was kind of a cheap deal. But I don't know. I don't want to attack it too much, I guess. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure she's like, you want a cameo? You got to pay me good. I'm sure she got paid handsomely, you know what I mean? Uh, if we, I would like to hear Rick James' story, Rick, Rick James' stories if we were with Linda. You know, respectful stories, so, for sure. But uh, I liked that, though. I thought it was good. And there was moments that were, like, really scary, and uh, it was kind of, you know, it was edgy. You know what I mean? It didn't go too wasn't too soft what you would expect out of a you know an exorcist film now i don't know if he i don't know if he's got multiples i'd be curious to see if he has to get the way he had halloween he did three halloween movies i'd be curious to see if he had like two more exorcist movies in him what the story was yeah that'd be cool i'll uh, have to check it out but yeah the people being very hard on it and uh, it's easy to be hard on it because it's, it's compared to other great films. Like I said, I think the original is like scariest movie of all time. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that when you're doing a uh, remake or a, a uh, sequel or anything, it's always going to be uh, put uh, up to the the original one. And yeah. the original one is such is so good that no, not... N- no matter what they do for anything down the line, it's never going to be better than that. Of course. But um, I think the best that you can hope for is to take the idea, change it slightly, give a new look at it. And uh, hopefully uh, that'll be enough to, you know, put a little bit uh, new life into the uh, franchise. Yeah, I mean... We'll see. I don't know what it did financially. I think it probably didn't do that bad financially because it was in theaters. People would go see it. Um, I was kind of something I actually had on my radar to, to like attempt to go see and it just never worked out. Um, but I did catch it streaming and uh, I enjoy it that way sometimes. Yeah. 
Okay. So what do you got up, Bubba? First on your list. Uh, first on my list is Oppenheim. Ah, good time. Yeah, Oppenheim. Uh, um, it is the only film on uh, that I saw last year that I actually saw in the theater. Um, actually, uh, my brother uh, did a big thing where he brought uh, myself and the family to uh, IMAX, so we got to see Oppenheimer in IMAX. And I got to say, damn, I mean, the visuals are, are mind-blowing to begin with, but you see it in IMAX, it's it's that and 20 times more. Um, it's a great, great film, great acting. Honestly, it's probably one of the uh, best films that came out last year. Yeah. Um, Cillian Murphy did a great job as Oppenheimer. Uh, Matt Damon and uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr., both of them, were very solid in their roles. And uh, I have to say, personally, I think think, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character was such a great sniveling little, you know, piss at. I just loved it. It actually kind of reminds me I, if I anyone who's followed followed Robert Downey Jr. since his younger days, yeah. okay, yeah, uh, and seen him in Back to School or Weird Science, and you know a lot of those roles where he played, I think the best way to say is a, a little annoying douche. I mean that was the kind of roles he played when he was very young. good, yeah, very good at and, that. And and the funny thing is. I like to think that the character that he played in Oppenheimer is yeah. one of those douches when they grew up. That's probably what his direction was. Yeah, He's like, hey, 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 Robert Downey Jr., buddy, we love you. We want you to think of your character in Weird Science. Now imagine him older with a little bit of power. That's the character you're going to play in Oppenheimer. He's like, I got it. You know? So yeah, I mean it's it's a great movie, well done. I mean there were a few things that I had a problem with, and and the main thing was they had had um, the uh, the people sitting in cars and putting on like sunscreen and watching the blast. Now I don't know much about you know atomic bombs and all that, but and. I know that the the radiation and and the size of the blast and all that, I would believe that it would shatter the goddamn windshields and blind half the people, even from that distance that they were at. But uh, I mean, other than little things like that, I thought was you know, a little a little off. But uh, other than that, I mean, Christopher Nolan uh, made a great film. Had a great cast. Uh, I definitely think it'd be up for a, a bunch of awards uh, when the Oscars come around. I think it is. I think it possibly is. It's in like March, I believe, is the Academy Awards. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an episode for it. We, we skipped the last year or two. Um, I I have that on my list as well, so I'll talk about that. I yeah, I, I didn't see it in IMAX like, like Hawkman did, but I did see it in a regular theater. And it was uh, still good, you know. I do think that a lot of Oscar buzz definitely uh, all across the board will probably catch a few. 
You know what I mean? I thought it was really good. Robert Downey was great. He does play. He would, nobody plays better Weasel than Downey. Um, his uncle played great uh, Weasel, too, which was good times. It was good. It's in his family. It's in his bloodline. It's nice. Um, but I thought it was superb. I, the Einstein dude, whoever played that dude, I forget his name right now, but he was fantastic as well. I didn't really bring him up, but you got to give respect. Kudos. It was cool. So those biopics are always cool to see, like, you, you know, just the, these people, you know, we only seen Walter Matthau play Einstein, you know what I mean, for crying out loud. I'm joking. Oh, I mean, uh, I know that there has been a few others. I, was I mean, uh, Walter Matthau, again, for me, That's is your the boy. only person I can remember as Einstein that, of a movie that I saw. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, going with uh, what Matt said, the actor who played Einstein was great, and I mean, the whole scene. Now, I, another guy that I, I I don't know his name, and, and since uh, we're bringing out, you know, great performances that are probably overlooked, um, the guy who was pretty much interviewing Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Yeah. Okay? And the point where, you know, Robert Downey Jr. says, you know, you know, after that talk, he turned Einstein against me. He turned Einstein against me, and and the guy just at, there. and and the guy just turned to him and says, "What makes you think that you were even part of the conversation?" Oh wow! Well, what gives you the belief that you were important enough to be part of the conversation? That's hard to the core, brother. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It. I was the one thing that I was let down with, and I probably would have been more let down with if I did go for the old, uh, for like the big four K fucking glorious IMAX experience over there, like Alexander the Hawk. Man. And did you go with Papa Hawk and Bro Hawk or just Papa Hawk? No, I went with uh, Mom Hawk, uh, Dad Hawk, and Gregory Hawk, and uh, myself. All the Hawks were there. They should have brought the movie to the Hawk Nest for crying out loud. But I'll tell you one thing. Superb performances all around, you know what I mean? Thank you. Yeah, and the family all liked it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely good times. Uh, Christopher Nolan, probably going to get Best Picture. You know what I mean? Uh, what's crazy is he's our age. He, I think he's like a year or two older I only say older because I'd hate to say younger. That'd be horrifying. But, uh, yeah. 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 It's good. It's a good deal. I'm trying to think of there anything else that was no. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the IMAX deal where I was going with that whole thing. Um, I was expecting to see more like bomb going off, like the actual destruction. Like for what all the madness that happened, the only real like kind of gore moments, and I understand as I as I say this, even before I said it, I understand why he didn't take the route of showing anything too wild out of respect to the people that died there. But I was expecting, I, well, I was kind of hoping to see and expecting whatever word this should be, but it's better to use there, um, like more explosion, like a like a camera set up in in one of the towns that got blown up, like. Like I wanted to almost get the vibe of like being being in it when it hit type deal, you know what I mean? Um, 
but uh, they, they they had a part with like skin hang off hanging off a, a, a young lady, and um, they, I tell you, and on her face, I think there was some skin, and I tell you, it wasn't that. It was kind of like I don't think they're gonna win the best special effects award. We'll say that uh, the, the special effects were not that special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean the thing is that uh, I, I I've always said I think less is more. And critique. in this, I definitely think less was uh, more in this, especially that the only kind of gore aspect was when he was having images in his head, which, you know, I think is a lot more, um, uh, I guess, um, cerebral. When he was doing, yeah, when he, I did, when he did the, when he was doing the speech and it was like the bomb going off in, in the, in, in the, and not to not to spoil it for anybody. And like he has like that nightmare or whatever where he envisions a bomb going off when he's doing the speech. Yeah. That was good. There was some well done stuff. I was just expecting with what you know, with what he created and the and the the magnitude of what it was and how how kind of gigantic of a filmmaker Christopher Nolan is, what you would just kind of imagine that there would be like There'd be like, you know, there'd be like a space shot type vibe. Like, it'd be like, it'd be, it'd be, you'd be seeing, I was expecting to see the bomb in a whole new, very artistic, creative, cool, wow way. And, um, I didn't get it. And so that was the only, my only like down, my thing that I was like, ah, a little A on it. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, honestly, I think, uh, and especially if you look at it in the scheme of things like okay. modern warfare, especially now that our biggest um, uh, thing that we like to use is drones, yeah. which is, you know, uh, pretty much um, removing the soldier from the war. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he, he he's away and everything's on the screen you know, they do a drone, uh, and of course, you know, you don't get the full impact. And I think that was kind of what, I mean, I, I don't know, Christopher Nolan, I don't know if this is what I he was thinking. I think it was, by doing it the way <clears throat> he, he did it, was kind of, um, because everyone else who was there, other than Oppenheimer, was looking at this big explosion and they were like, Ooh, whoa, this is, this is powerful. This is, this is great. And, and the fact is when you are so many miles away and you see the explosion and you don't see the destruction. Yeah. Okay. It makes you so much easier to drop the bomb. Okay. Drop the bomb. Yeah, and and the thing is, you got Oppenheimer. He knows exactly what's going to happen to people when they drop the bomb, yeah. and that's why he's so racked with these visions and all of that. And I think that's, I mean, personally, I that that's why I like how how Nolan went with it. Yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying, and yeah, it would be cool to see the explosions and 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 the ripple effects and all of that. But as I said, less and more, less is, is more in this position. That's why I think 
what he did was was great the way he did it. They showed the test, like the test is what they showed, and that had some kazam to it, but nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah. I was just hoping, you know, you see, with all, you know, he's such a huge picture filmmaker. You know what I mean? I assumed he would have had some really cool, creative ways of showing the bomb going off. Maybe if it's not even up close, almost like an alien point of view, like this is what these people are doing down here, madness. Like, like that's how, like the magnitude of it, like just how far out that the, like that you can see of that type deal. You know what I mean? That'd be kind of an interesting way to spin it. But um, yeah. So I thought that was going to be my next one, Alex. So I guess you can roll again. Okay. yeah. Um. Uh. Next one I got is Equalizer Three. Okay. My one big complaint with it is it didn't have Frankie Mbagamo in it. My boy, your boy, he's in part one. Yeah. Maybe but, part uh, two. Yeah, but I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, the Equalizer movies are pretty much the same. Um, you know, you got. Denzel Washington, he comes in, he takes out the bad guys, and he does it without mercy and 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 great great action shots and all that. Um, I think the thing about Equalizer three that made me actually kind of like it more than the other two that they did was how he killed. Uh, uh I, I think it was like the um. Last main mafia boss, and here it is. He... No, no, no. It... Unfortunately, Frankie uh, didn't play the boss in this, but um... too busy playing it in real life. Yeah. So right. anyway, um, yeah. uh, Denzel Washington, you know, uh, gives him a slow and painful death, and. And literally, you have the the guy who's like, you know, I'm the big bad guy. I, you know, you know, you you're in my way. I'm going to kill you. You know, I and 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 all of that. And you take this, you know, big menace, this big, you know, bad guy, and just bring him down to a sniveling little crying bitch. Okay. And and you have him pretty much struggling to uh, at the last moments of life, trying to get away from Denzel Washington. Yeah. And he's he's falling down. He gets through the gate, and Denzel is slowly walking behind him. He's not rushing and all that. He's slowly stalking his prey. Okay, as his prey is dying. Okay, and it was very visual. It kind of reminds me. And going with what I said about stalking one's prey, it, it, it felt like a hunter that shot a wounded deer and he's walking behind the deer until the deer finally collapses and dies. And that's pretty much what Daniel did in that scene, you know. And it, it, I've seen so many different revenge movies and action films and you have the bad guy killed and of course they always killed him the the bad guys in you know interesting ways or kind of uh, poetic ways uh, and all that, but I really thought that the way they killed him at the end of Equalizer three 
was the best I've seen because you break someone who's been in power that has caused so much pain to a point where he's he's barely hanging on to life and he's struggling all his kind to try to get away from the guy who who who, who you know who killed him yeah. and and the thing is that he even in his brain he knows he's dead okay i mean crawling away from Denzel isn't going to save him but he's trying to get away from his assailant and and Denzel is so cool calculating and honestly scary as shit i mean honestly to be perfectly honest no. I, I love Denzel Washington but he has never been scarier than he was in that movie okay because I seen it. because i all i say i the rest of the movie kind of plays out you know like what you expect and you know is okay but the ending scene i think is what the ending a death scene i thought was what makes it so much fun because you got Daniel pretty much slowly stalking this guy until he dies and when he dies he's i think he's holding an apple and he just eats the apple over his dead body and just looking at him no feeling nothing and all that and then he walks away i think that is probably that was extremely in in my uh opinion extremely powerful i haven't seen it but the fact that you're giving it a, a top slot and it being number 3 in the franchise um and i think maybe even on the show today brought up uh, yeah well i mean again I mean, it's, kudos, you know what i mean yeah i mean i mean uh i've seen the other two I've and i've enjoyed one. them and you know he always kills the bad guy in a i would say um a cathartic way, you know. He kills them, and you feel good that you know he's he's he, he's gone. But this one was was so much more um, was so much more. I, I say visceral. Yeah, I thought it was very visceral how it was shot and and all of that. So again, I think that was uh, I would say in my humble opinion, even though uh, I. And really, it's only one scene that really uh, solidified it for me. Yeah, I would say it is the best out of the uh, out of the movie so far. Well, I'm gonna have what that we've talked about tonight, or the franchise. No, no, no. Out of the um, out of the Equalizer films. Well, I will say this. Yep, I'm pretty positive the first one has Frankie and Magama in it. So if you're not bringing, if you if you don't have another Frankie and Magama cameo <laughs> to match. The one from the original, I can never say it's a better film. Okay, okay. I agree with you, dude. I All agree right. with you. Yeah. But uh, given that high praise, I would actually click on it. Yeah, to, actually, to the thing up. is, you can you can go on YouTube, and they have that clip. I'll have to find it and send it over to you. And, right, you know, it is, it is a very... It's the most visceral, you know, um, you know feeling... Uh, and that's why I think it's 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 so great, and why I I, I thought it was a good, it was a lot of fun watching it this year. Find the clip and share it with the fans on the Facebook page, and stay interactive with the Boombasticast Facebook page. All right, I'm up next. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, I'll say, I'll do the same thing that you did, because I know we have two films, and I'll say, The Killer, if you want to piggyback into this, you can maybe you can feel free, and if you don't want to, then forget I ever even said this. Audience, forget I ever said that. I'll uh, piggyback, that's okay. Go ahead. David Fincher, you know what I mean? We've had, uh, you know, Happy Anderson speaks very highly of David, so that means he's a, he must be a good guy, you know what I mean? Uh, you're looking at David Fincher and you go, wow, look at all these great films he has under his belt. My goodness, Seven, Fight Club. Oh my goodness, dude, just madness, crazy, crazy situations, you know what I mean? Zodiac, you know what I mean? It could go on forever, dude, and ever and ever and ever. And, uh, it still does go on, you know why? You gotta bring up Mind Freak, of course. Is Mind Freak's the wrong name for it, right? My, I don't know. I don't know the name of it. No, the one that Happy was in. Oh, you mean Mindhunter? Mindhunter, yeah. There you yeah, go. the TV series, yeah. Yeah. Happy actually just got casted as Chris Angel in Mind Freak. That's what it was. <laughs> He's going to be playing him in the film. Um, shout out Happy. Um, but, yeah, I, lost, I got lost in the sauce on that one. <laughs> What the fuck was we even talking about? How did we get on this? Happy Anderson. Well, we were talking about the movie The Killer. Oh, The Killer. Fantastic. David, the David Fincher film. Um, Michael Fassbender. I'm typically not a big Fassbender fan. I'm probably, I might even be saying his name wrong. That's not out of respect, but if he wants to take it that way, he knows where he can find me. You know what I mean? Um, but I thought this was cool. I like the inner voice, uh, uh, stuff in this. You know, the writing was good. Um, we've seen the story a fucking million times, so it's kind of weird that they decided to take this route. Must have been based off of some, I don't know, newer book or an older book. I don't know, some sort maybe, because the idea, the, the following a serial killer around story has, uh, is not a new one. You know what I mean? Um, so, well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, he wasn't a serial killer; he was a hitman. Not a yeah, not a serial killer. You know what I mean? A yeah, hitman, but even yeah. the hitman probably more so one. I know a killer, a killer in general. You know, yeah. you want to you to put a camera on Alex uh, for a couple of days as he ra- travels around the city. You'll have the same fucking material on your hands. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Gee, someone listen to you. Uh, they they uh, worry when they meet me in the dark alley. It really ain't a big fucking deal, ladies and gentlemen. So I know that you've seen it too. What'd you think of it? You might as well mix and match. Why not? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really well done. Um, Again, as Matt said, it is a story that we've all seen different variations of throughout the years. Um, What I loved was, again, going with what Matt said, the inner voice where he's constantly reminding himself of like his credo, which is never get emotional. Don't get uh, attached. You know, this is just a job, you know, and all that. And it was interesting because, you know, he ends up screwing up on the job. He then, um, uh, his girlfriend gets, you know, sexually uh, assaulted and beaten uh, as kind of a, a message to him because they were looking for him and found her instead. And he decides to go out. He kills the two people involved in her abuse. And he finally found finds the guy who, quote, unquote, was the one that gave the A-OK to, you know, uh, rub him out. 
Yeah. But of course, uh, he's talking to the guy, and the guy, you know, he didn't even know what he was agreeing to, and he just leaves him, and he says, you know, are we cool? You're not. If you try to come after me or anyone I love, I will kill you. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. But yeah, um, yeah. and I think I think Michael uh, Fassbender is really good in this, um, and. You know, he plays this character with, you know, such a, you know, blank face. You know, you don't know what he's thinking. And that's why I think, that, uh, um, you know, Fincher had the, the, the inner voice. Yeah. Because if, I mean, when you're dealing with people like that, a lot of times they don't show you what they're thinking because they know that would, you know, uh, tip their hand, make them vulnerable. So... The inner voice helped give you an idea of okay, how does this guy rationalize what he's doing, and what is he feeling, or how how does he deal with things? And and I think it gives you a nice insight into the character, and it's beautifully shot. I mean, David Fincher is 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 a a surgeon master. with with the camera, master of his time. He's great. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's a very good movie. I definitely recommend watching it. It's it's a slow burn, but it's it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, did we watch this together? We did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also that's one of a reason why it's a big movie on my heart. Big movie on my heart. Um, I'm up next, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Another big movie on my heart. Another big movie on my heart. Uh, the new Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Um, I was a little hard on it when I first seen it. I thought, you know, but I, it, it, it's, it's, I'm an old man. I always forget that I'm an old man. And, uh, the, you know, these movies are made for newer generations and such. But most importantly, you know, we, we're talking about movie experiences as well. Not just movie, movie experiences. And I got to go with all the nieces and nephews to go see. Ninja Turtles. So seeing the new generation with the new generation was definitely made at a high point uh, of movie movie making this year. But we got to say give kudos to the great Kevin Eastman, of course, who's been on the Boombasta cast, great friend of the show. Um, you know what I mean? Turtle power. That's all I got to say about that. So I definitely... Did you ever get around to checking out the new Ninja Turtles? I, I did not see it. I mean, I've seen the trailer... Um, yeah, I'm just going from the trailer. Um, the first of all, I love the fact that they actually have what sounds like actual teenagers voicing the turtles. Yeah, because you know, up to that point, I think pretty much you've always had you know, you know, adults you know acting like teenagers when they voice the uh, turtles. But, I mean, I definitely sounds like, you know, a god that's a 12, 13-year-old voicing the Turtles, which I thought was a good, good um, uh, choice because it makes them feel younger. That So when they do something kind of stupid, you're kind of like, well, they are teenagers. They're not, you know, supposed to be uh, fully, you know, matured or anything like that. Which is one of the things that, you know, was always fun with the, the turtles. But 
you know, there was always a little disconnect because, you know, you got them sounding, sounding like kids, but you know that they weren't kids. Yeah. When, um, also the fact that they had a lot of fan favorites from the cartoon series. You had Mondo Gecko. You had, um, let's see. Oh, every, all the, you know. Yeah, a, bu- a, bun- a bunch cameos of cameos as they could pull in. Yeah, which, I mean, I love, I mean, they have, of course, had Bebop Rocksteady, and being a huge fan of the cartoon series and the movies, that it was great uh, that I'm bringing in. Um, one of the things that kind of stopped me from watching it is the animation style I did not drive with. I liked uh, it. I but, thought it was cool. Yeah. I, again, I mean, it's it's a new generation. They do new things with it. I I didn't really drive with it, uh, but I mean, not saying that's not good, but that's one of the things that was kind of like, eh, just didn't it, didn't work for me. It made me for the first time sit back and kind of realize that I think the other movies from from this, all the ones before this, were kind of written and made for our generation. Like you know what I mean. And this was the first one that you could really tell wasn't made for our generation. Yeah, but made for the current generation. Quite quite literally made for a new generation type deal, you know. Again, again, going with what Matt said, it kind of reminds us how old we are. I so mean, I got, yeah, I had to go to, I had to go to the workshop on that one and have a deep <laughs> thought and uh, getting the TP and, and fucking steaming out and smoking out and do the whole deal where you're in there and you're seeing visions and all that. And I actually talked to uh, Kevin Eastman joined me. He's a great guy. He came down and stayed with me for a couple of weeks in the TP. And we seen the Ninja Turtles in real life in that TP. It was a fantastic voyage. And uh, I seen where I was originally wrong with the, with that. And uh, now I'm on the right path. So everything's cool in the gang. But I do, I, I do think it's just a, it's a newer, definitely a voice of a newer generation and uh everybody has to come to come to terms with those things. Come to terms with them things and always remember, never forget, you get old every day. And we me and me and brother Alex are old old then. Um so what's up on your list, brother? You're up next. Up next I got extraction two. Oh shit. Now is that the um is that is that our boy, Stephen C? Well, that's that's uh, Chris Hemsworth. Didn't, didn't Stephen C. Miller do the original Extraction? No, no, no. Um, I don't think so. No, I, know uh, I think movie. you're thinking of the um, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, um, no, that was Chris. the Cell movie. No, not that. I know he did those, but no, he did a movie that sounds. I, if you told me Extraction was the name of it, I would have agreed with you. Um, I feel like he might have done the original, and then somebody else he he's not doing. Well, I, I know I know that the, the, he might have done a movie called Extraction, With but the, the, these these two Extraction movies uh, weren't done by um, uh, uh, Stephen C. Miller. That that I can tell you. And this was done. Uh, this was directed by a stuntman, I believe. A DJ stand the stuntman. Yeah, something so, like that. Fill, fill us in. So fill us in on the old, the plot and all that of extraction. Well, I mean, um, did, did you see the first extraction at all? With uh, Chris I was, I, they, they, you know, they gave me, they put me under. 
they, they put me to sleep before they did that. Yeah. The extraction. And then when I woke up, I was all better type stuff. Well, anyway, uh, here's a, a thing that I find funny. Uh, the first extraction yeah. was pretty good. I liked it. And they killed him at the end of extraction. Oh, my. Yeah. They, they shot Spoiler him in the neck. Alert. He fell off the uh, bridge. He went into the water. Spoiler. So, of course, you're like, wait, hold on a bit. So how did they make a sequel if they killed off their main guy? Like, true typical um, fa- fashion, when you do a movie and you have it nice and tied up with a main character dying at the end, and then someone's like, hey, here's a couple uh, a more million dollars, okay? We want a sequel to this. But I killed off the main character. Yeah. We'll find a way to fucking bring him back. Uh, and that's what they did. They, of course, had it that he went in the water... His 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 team found him. They pulled him out. They patched him up. Yeah, and he's been recovering uh, from that ever since. Yeah. Now in this one, uh, his his ex wife um, contacts him to save her sister and her son. Who uh, I think that she married a Russian mob uh, boss yeah. and. I guess in, 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 in Russia that if if your husband, you know, did a crime, they will throw him and his family into the cell too. So in this that pretty much because of all the shit her husband did, she and her son, okay, are living in prison. With, kind of a bum deal, right there. Yeah, a a bum deal. And of course her husband is, is, is a uh, piece of shit. Capital S H I So so of course because his ex wife, which he still loves, you know, tell asks yeah. him to do this, he goes and uh in trying to extract uh the uh uh the uh the the wife of the uh Russian mob and her son out, uh he um ends they end up killing the husband. And of course, at the same time, the husband has a brother who's already out and who really loves his brother. And they show a lot of interesting backstory of where, you know, they yeah. grew up hard and they had to learn to fight and kill to, you know, survive. survive yeah. And, and his, the brother that's still out there was told by his father that you have to protect your younger brother. That's your only job. And of course, since his younger brother's now dead, he must take revenge. And he gets his men and try to track down Chris Hemsworth and, you know, his sister-in-law and his nephew and kill them all. Because of, you know, that is what honor, honor uh, expects of him. So, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you like action, it is wall-to-wall action. I... I definitely say it's a lot of fun uh, that way. One of the things I did enjoy was uh, Chris Hemsworth, of course, is the the big hero of the piece. Uh, he right. has a uh, uh, two other people part of his extraction team that are very uh, are capable and a lot of fun to watch. Um, and another thing I enjoyed was it is true, he's going in to rescue this woman, but while in essence he's a damsel in distress that he has to pull out with also her son, she's not afraid to, you know, also fight. And 
that's one thing I I love because I get so tired when you have the big hero, he has to go in and save the woman and she's useless. Now, this that's woman, cool. of course, isn't a fighter. She doesn't have martial arts training. She isn't like a, you know, a gun expert. But, you know, she grabs shit and she fights. shit. Yeah, she and is, of course, she's, she's all about protecting herself and her son. Yeah. Of course, her son is 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 an idiot. His uh, her son believes that you know, uh, follow the way, love the father. You know, uh, my my uncle truly loves me. I I will tell him where we are so he can kill us, kind of thing. Yeah. Which of course is played to the hilt on so many different action films, where you have a misguided kid who who's thinking that a loved one actually gives a shit about him. But for overall, I mean, it's a lot of fun, great action, and uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, you know, kicks ass. Well, well, with that being said, I can't argue with that. Okay. I can say that I watched Asteroid City. Asteroid City was fun, the new Wes Anderson movie. Um, which had a cool vibe, it almost looked fake cartoony. I liked the vibe of it a lot. The look of it was fantastic. You know, there's Wes Anderson's his own thing, of course. You know, there's very few folks that do what he does. is uh, often imitated, never duplicated, as they say. Um, quite a body of work when you really think about Wes, Wes Anderson's work. Very good stuff, interesting character. But, uh, yeah, this, this you know, him and Jason Schwartzman team up again. And uh, it's kind of everything you would expect from a Wes Anderson film. But I, re- I did love the look. Like I said, it was a really cool, cartoony, weird vibe. It had a, you know, like, it was in the desert, so it had, like, weird Roadrunner-like vibes to it. You got to really watch it to catch what I'm talking about. But if, you, if you're if you someone who cares about, like, the looks of films, you know, that stuff appeals to you when people go out of their way to make, like, the looks really kind of funky, I think you'd probably like Asteroid City. Uh, a lot of cameos, you know, like you would expect to see. And uh, just a lot of fun. Did you check it out? Did you see it? Uh, no, I haven't seen Asteroid City. Um, I know that it's probably bad of me. I know you, I knew bad was coming. I could see it on your face. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> but um, I think I've only seen one Wes Anderson movie. Which one? Ever. Uh, Rushmore? I was, that's what I figured. That's the most popular one, one of them. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's before he, he started doing the Wes Anderson style. Not really. Um, hmm? Not really. That was like the first introductionary, because he was an indie dude. Like Bottle Rocket, I'm pretty sure, was his first thing. Yeah, uh, Bottle uh, Oh, okay. Technically, I've also seen Bottle Rocket. You've probably seen a few of them. The Royal Tenenbaums is another big one that he did. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but i never seen the movie all the way through. That steep that that underwater one with Steve Kazitsku. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic. Yeah. Uh, he makes very interesting films. Uh, what I like about him is I might not like every film that he does, but I'll always appreciate the fact that he his films are so kind of out there and unarguably his. You know what I mean? Which is always a good thing. Um, so I'll always check him. And he's like, he's like kind of the last of a dying breed of like, I think that like 
having filmmakers that are so kind of original or do a certain thing that people appreciate. There's so many people doing stuff now that I think those last of the, he's kind of in a, in a, a, a weird, like there'll never be another Wes Anderson. There'll be like another person that they'll say is like Wes Anderson, but they'll never be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot I, of other I, I, I give him credit that he has a very specific style and he's, he stays true to the style. And, uh, but I just never really got into it. Um, Unfortunately, when he dies, we're going to do a check in the gate on him, so you're going to have to do all your research. I'll have to start watching it. Hey, Wes Anderson, live for a long time because I have to, you know, start, start watching your stuff, and it might take me a bit. Rest in peace, Norman Lear, too. We just lost. Yeah. You got Everybody will hear this later, but right around this time, we just lost the, the late, great Norman Lear. Um, but, yeah. Wes Anderson, yeah, like Rushmore uh, is probably one of my favorite ones. Royal Tenenbaum is classic. All the true fans like that. The fantastic Mr. Fox is him. A lot of people dig on that one. I'd love to see him do Watership Down. Uh, I'm surprised he's never done that. It's very Wes Anderson-like. Oh, yeah. But um, your turn, I think. Okay. Now, uh, the next one I got is Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I want to uh, apologize. I actually kind of made a, a mistake earlier. I actually also saw this in the theater. So I only saw two movies in the theater last oh, year. Not too much. Yeah. Well, uh, a friend of mine I was hanging out with, uh, you know, said, hey, you want to go see it? I was like, yeah, why not? So um, here's the thing. Okay. I'm not going to say it's a great movie. I do think that... It is a decent follow-up to the original three. Okay, now we all—I think we all can agree that Crystal Skull uh, was pretty bad. Okay, yeah, and I think that Dial of Destiny—it still felt—it it felt like an Indiana Jones film. I'm and, not a super duper fan of any of them, to tell you the truth. What? Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a fair. I'll be, yeah, a weird fun fact about me is all those real big franchise movies, I'm not really big fans of, and I'm not trying to be a rebel when I say that. They yes. just never really, like, super appealed to me, like, you know, like the Star Wars stuff. You're only saying this to be a rebel, dude. Huh? I know that. Well, yeah, I'm trying to be the fucking, the G.G. Allen of fucking... How, how about this? I'll give you a hat with, say... Franchises suck, and 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 uh, you can wear that. That's, yeah, I'm down. I'll take that. I'll take that honor. You're right. Anyway, um, what I will say is that I think Dial of Destiny is the film that we should have had instead of Crystal Skull. Oh, um. The, to be perfectly honest, no, offense no matter what Indiana Jones film we're going to have from now until Harrison Ford passes, um, it's not going to be as be. good as the original three. The original three are great. I mean, they're 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 they're, they're great uh, films within themselves. That's an interesting way of you putting that, but I agree. Until he passes, like as long as he's in them. They can. They get us. The, the 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 momentum can be only so much. Yeah. If they re, if they truly rebooted it with all new Indiana and all, you know that whole deal, 
they could really, you know, bring in a new filmmaker or give them a billion dollars, do how they do. Yeah. Uh, you could probably well, capture something cool. Here's here's the thing. Um, I forget who directed Dial of Destiny, but it's not George Lucas or Steven Spielberg. Okay? I think They're they buddy. were uh, producers, but they weren't hands-on directing uh, 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 of this film. Spielberg was going to direct it at one point, wasn't he, supposedly? Maybe. I want to say he was tagged in on one of the big ones and then, like, pulled out last minute or whatever. Well, I think that was a good good thing that he didn't direct it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Steven. Yeah, he's he's great and very talented. But uh, I think they needed... What they needed was new blood, but they needed new blood that actually likes the series. Okay? You don't think Steven... What's up? You don't think Steven likes the series? No, Steven likes the series, but when you are involved from the beginning to to now, that sometimes you get a little lost in, you know, in your own mind, I think. Yeah. Uh, what you think it should be. Um, it's enjoyable. What I liked about it was that they brought in uh, a a goddaughter, okay? They actually wrote out that Sh- Shia LaBeouf's uh, character, Mutt Williams, dies off screen. He he goes to war and, and dies. And, yeah. um, and uh, Indiana Jones... And Ravenwood uh, uh, splits. I was destroyed from that moment. As soon as they killed off Shia LaBeouf's character, <laughs> I was fucking in a fetal position on the floor, crying like a baby for fucking like eight and a half hours. Couldn't be consoled. But but I. Um, so you had her, and of course, what was fun was she's in it just for the money, and she has her own little sidekick, and. Because Indiana Jones has to try to save and protect her and also, at the same time, try to point out the error of her ways. I mean, it's a story we've seen many times before, but it was at least enjoyable. I mean, there was a time travel aspect to it, I mean, depending on how you feel about that being added into Indiana Jones. I was fine with it yeah. because I'm... I mean, heck, you had, you know, uh, all, I mean, when you're dealing with Indiana Jones, he always had, you know, the supernatural aspect to it. And uh, I think that that worked better than, uh, you know, uh, aliens from another dimension like they had in Crystal Skull. I just think it just felt a little bit too jarring. But, you know, the time, uh, the, uh, you know, time travel aspect yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I definitely in, enjoyed it. Uh, is it great? No, I don't think any any Indiana Jones uh, film uh, that we're going to see from now on is going to be considered great because the first three are the benchmarks. But uh, I definitely say that compared to Crystal Skull, it definitely is an improvement. Bada boom, bada shim, shot a sham. Um... I might check that out one day. You know what I mean? I might give yeah. it to him. Uh, next up, uh, I checked out The Holdover this recently with Paul Giamatti. I know Alex is a big fan. I know Alex hasn't checked the film out yet. So I oh, hey, I have a question. Did you see it in the theater? 
No, I caught it on streaming. It was streaming uh, on Peacock, actually. Well, I don't have Peacock. That's the problem with me. But I, I'm going to say I'm here right now, even a, though I haven't seen it, and that is why it's not on my list, yeah. it is the best movie of 2023. Even You've never seen it, but it's the best movie of 2023. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I've seen I, it. I wouldn't even say it's the best movie of 2023, brother. Well... I'm, I'm putting that down because I, from what I saw in the trailers and the feel and how it's shot and all that, it looked like a great, great, touching film. Uh, plus, I mean, with Paul Giamatti, I mean, you can't go wrong with with, with Paul. Um, I wouldn't overhype it to the audience, even if you don't mind overhyping in your heart on it, because uh, it's good film. But I would any overhype could hurt it. I'd definitely say so. Um, well, again, I haven't seen it, but uh, I I feel in my hearts of hearts that it probably is one of the okay better films of two thousand twenty-three. The And if I had Peacock, I would have checked it out. You could get Smallcock. That's what you you only got that. What? Wait a second. So yeah, I yeah you know Giamatti does a good job. It, it, it's it's I love the vibe of it. It's very old timey feel to it. Um, it's very soft in color. Um, it's very it's kind of a it's a, it is like a little bit of an achievement I'd say because it's it's they create a vibe with kind of knowing what they're doing with style. You know, like Giamatti. It's kind of like they were like, hey. We want Giamatti to play this character, and it's like, you know, he's going to be great at it, but how do we make it better? And they were like, well, let's, if we just do, put all our efforts into almost the molding of the look, just the look of everything in this, and really set out to do it in a certain almost like period piece style, but not too far back, uh, then... That's what you kind of get with it. I'm I'm giving it a little too much praise on that department. I feel too, so we should scurry along before we overpraise the film too much and people go, "What the fuck was Boombaster Cast talking about?" Where they said that Alex dude from the Boombaster Cast said this was the best fucking movie of the year. It is, and then they go and delete all their fucking uh, the hundred thousand dollars they put into our Patreon account. Hey, hey! Until I see the hundred thousand dollars, I I they don't care what, what what they think. They said fuck you on that. But um, it's a good watch. Uh, it it it's it, it's gonna be everything you want it to be, Alex. I think without hyping you up too much before seeing it. I I try not to hype because I know hype can murder things. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. It's kind of like a cozy film. It's a nice nighttime film, I feel. You know, after after a, a, a hard, hard day of chopping wood, you go inside, you have a nice meal, perhaps. Turn the lights low. Light a fire. Uh, drag in a, a trash barrel if you don't have a fireplace and just light a nice fire and put the holdovers on. And it's, some people, some countries call it the classy version of Dutch um, with Ed O'Neill and uh, the great Ethan Embry, our pal. So we'll see. We'll see how Alex feels about it. But uh, next up, Alexander, what do you got? All right, next uh, I have Sisu. Oh, wow, yeah. 
No, no, um, no, I did not just sneeze, but uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the film is S-I-S-U, so I believe that's how you say uh, it. Don't ever say that to me again. That was offensive. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, this is done by the uh, same uh, director who did um, oh, uh, Rare Exports. Oh, yeah, this wasn't the, um, but not the Australian, not the Norwegian Christmas horror movie, right? It is the Norwegian Christmas horror movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, um, Jomari Hellander. Hellander in the house, dude, yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. I've never, I didn't even know about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, He's a great director. I love his style and I love his humor. And um, this movie is about, uh, it takes place during World War II. You have this guy um, who was a soldier and now he's just a gold miner. Okay, he's looking for uh, gold, he finds it. And as he's leaving with his knapsack, a regiment of Nazi officers stop him. And yeah. they were like, hey, we're going to take your gold from you, you old-timer. And they try, and guess what? He kills the motherfuckers. Um, if you ever want to just watch a film where a lot of Nazi assholes get killed, this is a movie for you. Word up. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite parts in it is you have... Uh, the uh, Nazis going after uh, our hero in a minefield field, yeah. and it's all kind of you know dust has been kicked out, so you don't see them. Yeah. And as they walk, you see a landmine being thrown, and it hits one of the Nazi officers, and he explodes. Oh my god, that was so cool! And of course, anyone who uh, these landmines are you know huge, so. The, the fact that you have to do a little suspense and disbelief that he actually picked one up and chucked it like a discus. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, and uh, it it's, has, has that weird little um, Norwegian humor. Uh, for example, if you've seen Rare Exports, you know yeah. how that ends. Yep. And the ending itself is hilarious. And again, in here, not quite as big of a laugh, but here you have this guy who has just uh, uh, gone through hell to protect his gold, to get to the bank. He's killed all these Nazis guys and all that. And the thing that I love about this is he's not killing them because of any any like revenge a debt uh, uh, a vendetta or anything like that it's just like they're trying to take his gold and he's trying to kill them off so they don't take his gold you know very you know you know fundamental right so he ends up you know killing them all off and he finally gets to the bank and uh, he puts the gold on the uh, the uh, the desk. And the uh, clerk asks him uh, what he uh, 
wants them to do with the gold. And he says, can you make them into bills? Because they're really heavy. Oh. Okay. And that is hilarious. After all the shit he's been through, okay, being shot at, stabbed, hanged, all that, and he's like, can you just make these into bills? Because, God, my back is killing me because I've been lugging the gold uh, this entire way. And I, I just thought that was hilarious. I definitely recommend to check it out. Sisu is a lot of fun. Gesundheit. So, next up for me, uh, Evil Dead Rise. Earlier half in the year, you have Evil Dead in the hood. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we've got to turn this off, dude. We have to turn this off. Why? You said Evil Dead Rise is good? No, no, we all know that Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness are the only good Evil Dead movies. That's a lot. I'd argue whether or not Army of Darkness is a good Evil Dead movie. Oh, come on. Army of Darkness rocks, man. No, I know. This is my boomstick. Not as good as the first two, but definitely legendary with that. No, it's better than the first two, but, you know, go ahead. That's because you like all that goofball shit. Hey, dude. Bruce Campbell is the king of goofball goofball comedy, dude. You want to drown in goofball. That's your fucking preferred death. I ain't like goofball shit, but you want to fucking your last words. You said you want goofball shoved down your fucking throat instead of oxygen. If it comes to it, you know what I mean. Uh, um, so tell us about the. So, new yeah, you know Evil when Dead. when they first announced it, I, I I remember the poster artwork got me a little suspicious because it was kind of like what everybody else was doing, poster style wise, and I was like, oh no, what the fuck are they doing to the Evil Dead now? And Evil Dead's a franchise that in itself is fucking fantastic. Those first three films are iconic. Um, you, you know, you got a little shaky and weird when you heard there was going to be a reboot. A reboot comes out, uh, reboot fantastic. You know, almost like changing your, your, your opinion of what a reboot could be, you know what I mean? And give you hopes that, you know, with the right people behind the reboot, that you can actually get really good reboots of these horror films we love. Um, there's an uncut version too that I haven't seen that's supposedly even better. Um, with Fade Alvarez, I believe, doing it big. And, uh, our boy Rodo, our boy Rodo, for actual friend of the show from way back, Rodo, one of the writers. Um, shout out if you're listening, kid. Um, but I thought it was fantastical. And then they come up with that. I have a, I have an Evil Dead plot that I always thought would be a great plot for Evil Dead. I won't say it here. I've said it in the early years of the cast, so go find it. Um, but going into this, it's literally Evil Dead in the hood. Um, it's bringing into like a city atmosphere. Um, very cool setup. Um, on paper, that doesn't sound cool. It goes like, oh no, oh no. They have they finally. As the shark finally jumped out of the Evil Dead swamps, that's what you kind of think of when you when you see this. But uh, no, very well, very creepy. You know, every now and then, every now and then, if a, a film catches me with a line, you kind of go, "Everything's been said, everything's been done." But you know, there's this there's this line where she's like, "The mother's possessed," and she goes, "Mommy's with the maggots now." And I remember just like. Being almost taken back to a, to a degree of just like interesting, like okay, 
like there did that that you're sitting you know you're sitting and i've seen it in theaters and it was like you know you're you're, you're there's people in sitting in the theater that are taking offense to that it might be hitting a little too close to home with certain people and um when people go say that's dangerous for even a big hollywood horror film like that so i gotta like go oh, okay they're, they're kind of not that was to me kind of like a nod like all right they're kind of gonna be all right to go like they're they're, they're they're not going to be afraid to go in a rough direction. And they did. And it was, it was good. It was very creepy. Um, Evil dead franchise is one of the franchises that still hasn't really failed. Uh, even when they did the show, some of the kind of creatures I feel in the show were a little weird, but not, not weird enough for me to kind of get off, off the, off the fucking train. You know what I mean? I thought it was, the show was great. Very funny. Um, and kind of, you know, you got Bruce Campbell as Ash. You can never really go wrong. The great Ted Raimi, of course, killing it. And, um, yeah, so like I, that franchise is one of the... There's very few franchises that have stayed strong for decades. You know what I mean? The Evil Dead franchise is, uh, is, is, is one of those franchises that's still kind of doing it. And I was giving a hard time to Army of Darkness. I love Army of Darkness. I would say out of the three, it's probably my least favorite, though, just because I think it goes Evil Dead 1 is like straight horror movie. Evil Dead 2 is the perfect mix of horror and comedy. And then Army of Darkness is more comedy than horror, which I don't really like. I know you love it and give thumbs up and all toes up and all that. But for me, and I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't think it's... it's. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Matt, Matt is a horror connoisseur. I like to be uh, scared. When I'm watching a horror movie, I like to actually be scared, get the vibe of scared. And I never got, I mean, there's maybe a few times you get the creepy vibes in Army of Darkness, you know what I mean? But you never, there's moments in Evil Dead when you're like, oh, shit, like you're feeling the energy of like the, oh, what's about to happen here, the tension hey, building. Yeah. Yo. You thought I was beautiful once. Yes, but you got a whole shit ugly. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, I it, it's again, I I love Army of Darkness and uh Evil Dead too. I I I can understand where uh Mad is with Do you not uh, like Evil do Dead. not like the first one? Uh the first one's fine. I mean, like you said, it's a horror movie and it's it's fine. But I, I really couldn't get, I couldn't get behind anyone. I couldn't even get behind Ash. Okay. Um, in Evil Dead. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 is when Ash started having a character. Everyone else pretty much was just expendable father. Okay. See, for me to get, get signed up for a film, I have to have a character that I'm either rooting for, to, you know, live or rooting for it to die. Okay? Right. And for the most part with the Evil Dead things, first one was I I couldn't care less whether uh, Ash lived or died. Same thing with everyone else in the first one. It was, it was fine. It was a good horror movie, but I really wasn't invested in any of the characters. Right. Evil Dead 2, I started getting invested in Ash. Yeah. Evil Dead 3, I was all in behind Ash. Because Ash was, I think, fully 
um, solidified in in the in the third in Army of Darkness myself. Bro, I agree with you. I definitely get down down. And you haven't seen the new Evil Dead, right? No, I haven't. Have you seen the first three? Yeah, I've seen the first three. I know you watch the show too, right? Oh yeah, love the show. Play the video games? No. It happens. It happens. Yeah, well. So what do you got up next, Bubba? Next, I got The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, I heard good things. I haven't seen it. Well, it's funny because, you know, it was one of those films that it, it got out there, um, didn't really get a lot of fanfare, and kind of was out and then disappeared. Um, those I've seen who have seen it, they they liked it, but uh, for the most part, I don't think it did that well in the box office. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's pretty much what they did was they took the original uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula novel and they took one chapter. The chapter of when Dracula is going from Transylvania to uh, England. And they just took that and they did a whole movie about it. And of course, focusing on all the, you know, the doctor on, on board, the girl that was uh, brought into the, the um, uh, Dracula's meal ticket, yeah. and so forth and so on. Um, I think everyone did a great job in the cast. Um, and of course, what they decided to do with Dracula was they did not make him the Dracula that a lot of us know. Uh, he was not the suave, you know, European that, you know, could just look at you and me uh, mesmerize you by his eyes. Yeah. No, in this one, he is a full-on, scary as shit, bad creature that just ripped people apart and ate them. And uh, I thought that was an interesting interpretation. Now, of course... Uh, if you go on with the rest of the story, doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, uh, uh, unless uh, there's something that happens afterwards that makes him more human-looking, because the whole point of Dracula is he's able to blend in with rich society and then uh, pick off the people he wants. Yeah. But as a good old, you know... Uh, throat-tearing out um, a vampire movie, it's a lot of fun. And uh, and the thing, again, this film, you you get behind most every character on the boat. Yeah. Okay, you can understand each character, and you can, you know, either say, that guy should, you know, definitely die, or that guy, or that woman, that they should live. Uh, which... In my opinion, is what makes a good horror movie. When you actually have stakes, when you are sitting and you're like, this person, I like them. I like their backstory. I like who they are. I want them yeah. to live or I want them to die. You know, that's because when you just have, you know, run-of-the-mill characters that no one really cares about, when they get all, you know, killed off, you're just like, okay, why should I care? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's, um, that's one of the things that I, I have a problem with the last slashes. I mean, yeah. I've been in a few slashes that have been fun, but 
for the most part, slashes uh, aren't known for their character development. Well, speaking of slashers, Thanksgiving made my list. Speaking of vampires, Eli Roth directed Thanksgiving. Uh, Eli Roth hasn't aged uh, ever, I don't think. He's always stay- looking the same. I think someone should. Eli Roth is actually Dracula. He could be Hollywood Dracul, you know, uh, which we get down with Hollywood Dracul, Eli, if you want to be on the show, we'd love to have you. Uh, Massachusetts native, whoop, yeah. Um, but yeah, Thanksgiving, you know, I think 20 years ago almost, this was teased in the teaser trailer within the Grindhouse films. Uh, one of the fav- most favorite trailers, you know, uh, people were wanting to see it forever. Uh, and the time came. Uh, love this, like I said, local boy. So, you know, one of the towns that they have, one of the main characters I have beef with is on my hometown of Hanover, which I thought was really fun. Um, that's the thing with Eli's movie. He's always doing throwback stuff to like where he's from and stuff like that. So you see the little Easter egg stuff in there that uh, I appreciated high levels for that. I was actually in a hand, in a theater in Hanover. While they were talking about fuck Hanover and all this stuff, it was actually pretty fun. Um, but you know, the gore was good, you know. The writing was even pretty good on it. Like, I had a pretty fair idea of who I thought the killer might be going into it. And then throughout the process, I had I second-guessed myself a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was I was right. I was right. Oh, my first, my gut instinct was correct, but I did have, he had me second guessing myself. And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of anticipation on this film. It's for 20 years of anticipation. And, uh, I think it's probably one of the best grossing films of this year. I know it's been, it's been in the theater for fucking like a month, if not more. I think it's still in theaters now. That's probably one of those cases where you'll see the, the film. Go when he leaves theaters, it's literally the day that it's released on Blu-ray type deal. That's probably what's going to happen with that. I know the Blu-ray releases are you pre-order on Amazon, and uh, I like Eli. I think he makes good films, um, and he was kind of teetering. It's weird how like the more Hollywood he got, the more teetering he kind of was with the fans, so to speak. Like he did some films that were definitely more Hollywood that people didn't receive as well. Um, but I think him coming back and doing Thanksgiving, I think all the horror fans that kind of fell in love with Eli, you know, Cabin Fever, Hostel Era, I think they kind of got pulled back into it because, you know, love him or hate him, he's one of the better people doing it at that level, um, for sure. And, you know, everybody wants to be entertained. Are you not entertained? So... But I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was definitely good times that I, uh, I recommend. I know that Hawk's not the biggest fan of horror slasher films. You know, he does like some. Hey, well, I mean, it's like everything. I mean, if I can get if I can get invested in the story or the characters, then yeah, I'm I'm totally on for the ride. But uh, if I I I don't care about uh, the teenagers getting slashed off, then I mean, then why am I watching it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Thanksgiving. I've seen the trailer. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, it's definitely uh, something I'd be willing to give a watch when it comes out on DVD. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, 
as Eli Roth goes, I I'm sorry I can't get into hostile. I'm sorry, uh, uh, I, it's a hard pass on torture porn for me. But uh, it was the that's... beginning of American torture porn. What's up? It was the beginning of American torture porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I uh, yeah, he- I, I can't get get uh, get behind that. No. Okay. You like Cabin Fever? Haven't seen it. Eli Roth. I've seen Inglorious Bastards. He directed his segment. I that little <laughs> short film. I think was directed by Eli Roth. Um, but yeah, I like Eli. Eli is kind of he's like a he's that new wave indie kind of in the realm of like uh, Edgar Wright, where they that's like the 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 last another oh, we'll say another jump off. How you had like the indie era of the nineties with, you know, Tarantino, Rodriguez, Linklater, stuff like that. Um, but this was yeah, definitely another jump off. Those those gentlemen are also involved in another jump off. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely get down. Thanksgiving was good times, good times. Uh film that could be celebrated on Thanksgiving and uh leftovers. So you're up next, Bubba. Yep. Um, the next one I got is Cocaine Bear. Ooh. Now, I'm... <laughs> Cocaine Bear is not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Right. Um, it's a ridiculous premise, a ridiculous idea, um, and it's loosely based on reality. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I promise you, in reality... The bear didn't go and kill all those people. You definitely um, you can promise that? Yeah. You know for sure? Um, it was one of the last films with Ray Liotta. Classic, yeah. Rest, Rest in, in peace. peace. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. I think it delivered on what it promised. It just over-the-top gore, and it had a lot of funny moments in it. And that's what made it work for me because it did not take itself seriously um, and it had fun with a ridiculous premise. So that's why I, I liked it I, and I give it a you know, thumbs up. I, I seen it. I liked it. It was can't be fun. Don't take it for anything more than can't be fun. Practically stoner comedy stuff, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you take it for what it is, you, you probably get some enjoyment out of it. Uh, Ray Liotta playing the cat, the role he was born uh, to play right before dying out. And, um, it was good to see him back in theaters, you know what I mean? I was happy that he got a good send off where you watch that movie and you definitely go, okay, Ray Liotta's the man in this. He's cool as hell. Um, and it was good that I was glad to see that his last film got well received at a theater. Kind of like his swan song to the world, so to speak, you know, because I think just about every theater, a movie that probably should have been released on like Sci-Fi Channel DVD was put in all the theaters across America and the world, and that was a good send-off for him. You know, you. like I like how that worked out for him. You know, maybe the money that they didn't have to pay him because he passed away, they put into <laughs> buying theaters. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I, I cocaine beer was fun. Cocaine beer spurred, like cocaine beer in itself is such a wild and crazy B movie. 
It turned, it, it started up some of the worst fucking B-movie ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my God, you got Crack Coon, you got Cocaine Cougar. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it, I mean, going off with that, it's, it's, it's almost as, as bad as you got, um, like, Mickey's Mouse Trap that came out when the Steamboat. Uh, Willie's Mickey thing? Mouse was let go. I thought those were I thought those were fake. That's real. That's real. Ah, there's also a Steamboat Willie movie in 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 process. Didn't your I boy mean, Fergie? We've only had Blood and Honey. I mean, didn't your boy I, Fergie? I, did it, what didn't didn't your boy Fergie do some type of cocaine be a ripoff like cocaine octopus? Well, Dustin yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, he did cocaine cougar. I think. <laughs> hey, hey! I mean, again, I mean, it's it's like what up, Fergie? Yeah, I, I, you can, I, more power to you, I guess. Um, I, it, it's one of those things. I got no problem with people jumping on, like you know, stuff that ended up in Funny. the public domain, doing horror movies about Winnie the Pooh or yeah. Mickey Mouse or Capital, you know, taking variations of like a blockbuster like Crackcoon or Cocaine Cougar. But or they're you know, exploitation it, filmmakers. Yeah, but you know, it's Bob one of those Bob things Bob. that when when you watch a lot of these, you just like. You know, you could have done something so much more fun with the idea than what you did. You just made a slasher, and you had people put on Winnie the Pooh masks. Well, that's what people like. I know you hate them. I'm not saying that I like that, but there's a gigantic amount of people that press play just for that visual. I know, I know. Yeah. And and more power to them. They made uh, a lot of money. They uh, they you know They got their stuff out there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, isn't, that, isn't Alexander Hawk an executive producer on Winnie the Pooh, fucking Blood and Honey? You know, Part two, no, right. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. No, maybe I should have been. Then I could uh, say that uh, uh, I, I was involved in Winnie the Pooh. You know, killing people. But, you do become uh, a part of that world. Hey, listen, I already already have an idea uh, for a great title for the next Winnie the Pooh uh, movie. Okay, you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the 100 Acre Woods Massacre. Very good. Yeah. If well, anyone takes that title, I'm uh, ex- expecting residuals on that. You probably should have kept that to yourself. That's going to be like 13 movies by tomorrow morning. Yeah, probably, probably will be. Fergie, All right, then, 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 yeah, Fergie. cast me as as Winnie the Pooh. Then, <laughs> oh Fergie. bother! I got blood on my shirt again. Fergie. Oh bother! I say Fergie's gonna have seven of the seven sequels to that in the original by March. <laughs> All right, your turn or my turn? Uh, let's see. I did Cocaine Bear, uh, so right, it's your turn. turn. All right, I think we're on our last one. Uh, no, I got two more left. Really? Yeah. Well, all right now. Oh, yeah. 
Killers of the Flower Moon. Ooh. Do uh, I hear Mr. Martin Scorsese? Mr. Marty Scorsese. Um, life was moving really fast, so I didn't even chime in on the fucking Facebook about this movie. Um, but it was very cool, as it would, as you'd expect. Marty falls into that category like some other filmmakers, like QT and such. That even when they get they they even when they offer you a, a good movie, you know, you go, you expect so much of it that it almost has to be better than good just to fall into a good slot. You know what I mean? That might be the case with this. Um, Leo and De Niro always great. Um, had a great vibe to it. I was expecting to see a little more murder and mayhem, if you will. Um, there was some in there, of course, but I was expecting to see a little more juicy in that department. Um, but not so much more story and such. Um, the actress that played the main girl, I forget her name. I apologize. It was fantastic. You know what I mean? Did great. But, um, yeah, it was a good time. You know, I hit this on the $5 Tuesday, which I always recommend. Just about every theater does some type of $5 Tuesday at this point in the game. And what better way to see a flick? At the end of it, I'm actually going to talk about a few movies I'm hoping to check. Um, that I think some of them are in the theater now. So $5 Tuesday, here I come. Whoop, whoop. Um, but with that being said... You got two more. Maybe you should go pop in. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't see uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, that's what it was. Killers of the Moon. Yeah. Yeah, I I've seen the trailer, and I I definitely do want to check it out, but uh, just haven't gotten around to it yet. It's Um, good. The next one for me is Renfield. Oh, I I, I've seen it. It started. I didn't think I was gonna like it. I had a, from the trailer, I had a completely different opinion of what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, it turned a little bit different in the, in the better direction. So I can't hate, but, uh, yeah, what, not too bad. I wouldn't say one of my favorite or best films or it would have been on my list, but. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it was, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, first of all, Nicolas Cage finally playing Dracula in all of his caginess. I mean, shit. That was a lot of fun. You got Nicholas Holt Hoyt um uh playing Renfield. He was great in the role. Um pretty much for the most part, everyone was really good in the w- roles. Um I'm sorry, I personally can't get behind Aquafina. I mean I don't find her funny. I don't think she's a great actress. I mean she was okay in the role, but she—I didn't think she brought anything unique to the role. I don't remember her in the slightest, so that's probably. A, she was the sign, female cop. A sign of her not being too fantastic. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, but the thing is that uh, the reason you go watching it is for uh, Holt as as Renfield and Nicholas Cage as Dracula, the two of them. They steal every scene they're in. The over-the-top gore is fun. The humor is fun. And, you know, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Just, you put it on, you sit back, and you just, you know, laugh as you watch it. Hey, what's this with Best Buy? Are they no longer selling any physical media movies? Yeah, Best Buy said, fuck you. 
fuck you, anyone who wants to buy physical media. Not even 4Ks? No, no. They said, you know what? We don't give a fuck. We're going all streaming-wise. I contemplated no upgrading. Well, I contemplated upgrading to 4K just to keep up. But if that's the case, I'm not going to bother with the upgrade because that's kind of going to be a waste of money, too. Which is sad because now it's like you'll never be able to, unless you take the mark of the beast and go digital, completely digital, you'll never be able to get the full super technology, you know, like how 4K looks fantastic. That's as high, that's as far as it's going for physical media shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, back to what we're doing with. Back to what we're doing with, Bo. Is it my turn? Yep. You tagged out on that? All right. My last one up is dumb money. You know what I mean? My boy Paul doing it big. Yeah. I definitely do want to see that. Um, I love that. I mean, it's based on the uh, GameStop um, uh, thing that really happened. Yeah, the trade thing. Yeah. It's, which, uh, I mean, I, I got to say, I... I love every every time that you know the uh, the lowly man is able to screw those fucking shareholders, those fucking you know greedy sons of bitches. Every time they lose millions upon millions of dollars, I get a happy. You get a happy like an orgasm. I just, oh yeah, yeah. You, your world just shook behind you like the Illuminati was telling you to chill out, dude. Oh, no, no, no. Your, no, whole, no. Sta- your whole stage setup moved. That was spooky. Um, yeah, no, I feel you. Yo, it's, uh, what I liked about it, which I didn't even realize until, like, the movie started, is that the main character who Paul Dano plays is a dude who's in Brockton, Massachusetts. Hey. Literally less than, quite possibly less than a 15 minute drive from uh, Boombastic headquarters. Maybe we should uh, find him and get him on the cast. Uh, I I did my search for him. He's no, he's in hiding. <laughs> but I, um, it was an interesting dude. And then the story was fun. You know, Seth Rogen was cool in it. You know, Seth Rogen was also involved with um, Ninja Turtles. It's kind of like he was. I think it was almost like a Seth Rogen's. Ninja Turtles, I think they probably came to him and he developed something with the newer director. Um, but Seth Rogen was in this. It was good and it was all about kind of, yeah, there was this guy that just followed the stocks and he knew that uh, GameStop was going to, uh, the, the, the stocks were going to go up or whatever. It was so, I forget the plot. I seen it like earlier in the year, but mainly, you know, people, they were going to try and he told everybody they should buy it when they did, and they did, and then it ended up making them all like fucking billionaires, or at least he was like a billionaire. And it was just kind of crazy that movement like that was going a stone's throw away. That was like the most fascinating part. You know, Paul Dano kills it in everything he does. Uh, this is no exception. And, it, you know, it's the small things. Like, he's just playing a... Regular dude from Brockton, but he fucking kills it in that role, you know what I mean? And uh, he's probably one of my favorite current actors, and I'm glad to see that he's uh, killing it again, killing it out there. And this was like the almost the weird, um, you know, there's been some movies like this. What's his name? Does him like um, um, the fucking man. 
the perfect year. Is that what it is? The dude that, yeah, you're not going to know the answer to this, but anybody out there listening, there's a dude that McKay, Adam McKay, um, he's been getting, I think he did, might have did, fuck it. He did the one with um, Christian Bale playing. Oh, the big short? The big short, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, I know the big short. This I've is like the, the style of like that biopicy style. Of like that was brought kind of with it was done with this situation, and this was a cool one. I brought my uncle to see this because it's funny because he he lived the next town over from like closer to uh to fucking Brockton, and he's been in and out of Brockton his whole life. And he was like into the stocks, not big time, but like doing stocks for fun or whatever. And uh, it was funny because it was a world that he kind of knew a little bit. It was just kind of funny that. You could have my uncle doing small stocks and then a town over dude doing billion dollar stocks and now we're watching a movie about it. It was just like a fun element uh to do it, you know. All right, you got me. My uncle's the dude that fucking the document the movie. I knew it. I knew uh, it. You talk about Scary Barry, right? No, Scary Barry's got even more money. Scary Barry's that's why they call him Scary. Cause the money is so it looks like a tidal wave when you see it coming at you. Um, this is Uncle Paul. He's gonna he's running for president this year, actually. Um, but yeah, dumb money. I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, I'd actually pick it up. I I don't support physical media the way I should when I'm so against digital media. But uh, I haven't picked up a newer DVD, Blu-ray in a little bit. I picked up Blu-rays and DVDs of older films, but I haven't supported like a newer movie in a little bit. I'm a yeah. Good- well, I mean. The truth is, like, a lot of newer movies, like this year, yeah. a lot of them weren't, you know, didn't really capture my attention. I mean, that's why I didn't watch a lot of movies last year. I didn't catch the, usually I catch the Best Buy, I don't even know if I do it anymore, but Best Buy and Walmart on on Black Friday would have, like, their Blu-rays for, like, six, seven bucks of all the new movies. And that's what I'd. That's when I'd get the newer. Like, if I was gonna get like a Hollywood film, you know, I'd just wait for like Christmas time, and they'd go on that. They'd end up being seven bucks for the Blu-ray or ten bucks for the 4K or whatever, and uh, just grab everything you need for the year then. But I don't even know. It just I don't even know if I fucking bothered to look this year. But it's tricky biz. It's definitely tricky biz. You got one more. I got one more. Spit it, bro. Let me know. Okay. The last one is Luther, the Falling Sun. Oh, my. Sounds evil. Um, Luther is a British TV series starring Idris Elba. Okay. Okay. I think they've done three seasons, three uh, seasons of, uh, of Luther. And, of course, they ended it. And this movie was kind of a follow up to to that series. And Luther his character is he's a cop, a good cop that's not really a good cop. And what I mean by that is he has no problem breaking any rules to get the guy. Sounds okay. Like you. Yeah. And and he does a lot of shady stuff. So it's very easy for, in this case, the villain, played by Andy Serkis, Gollum himself, to get him actually thrown in prison 
while he starts, you know, his his reign of terror. Yeah. And uh, Andy Serkis's uh, character, you know, is setting up a um, pretty much a uh, on the dark web where you know those who are in into people getting killed and seeing blood and guts and you know actual murder and mayhem. He sets up these videos for them, and they can watch live as he tortures or kills or have other people kill for him, or making people make Freudian decisions and all that. And the way he does it is very ingenious, okay? Is that he's able to hack into everyone's webcam. So when you think your webcam is off, he's actually uh, video recording everything you do. So he's able to find every little bit of dirt on anybody. And he uses it to blackmail. He can find people's weaknesses. And even if it, you might not think it's a bad thing, but that person might think that it's extremely embarrassing or they don't want the information out. So they're willing to either lie, steal, kill, or even kill themselves to keep that information from coming out. Yeah, it's very well done. Uh, Idris Elba is always great, and Andy Serkis was a great villain in this. Yeah, didn't he pass away? What? That dude? What's dude? Well, Al Idris Elba's? No, Idris Elba is still alive. He's a dude from um, Dark Tower with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Who did do? Uh, yeah, never mind. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was also up for consideration for James Bond at one point. They didn't give it to him. I thought they did. No, no. Um, there was a lot of you know bullshit, and I just held it to say, you know, it's not worth it. Really? Well. I feel bad because that would have been good to see. Yeah, yeah, he would have been great as it. But so he's been uh, a white guy, right? Yeah, that that's a lot of people had an issue with uh with the change, which I'm like, you know, really? Yeah. I mean it, it, it things like that just piss me off. I mean if it's a fictional character, who cares what that person looks like? Okay? Right. As long as they can do the role. Now, if you're dealing with, you know, a historical character, then I have an issue if you have them, you know, switching up the ethnicities because, I mean, you shouldn't have Martin Luther King played by a white guy and, you know, you also shouldn't have JFK played by a, back, a black guy. I mean, it, it's, I mean, that's just ha ha how it is. Um, unless you're doing some, like, alternate dimension uh, variation, then, you know, then you can do that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with fictional characters, it's whoever's uh, the best for the role. I mean, no matter what the ethnicity of the person. I agree. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, whoever, whatever the race and gender of the person who it was, you know, who you're trying to be, like biopic style is probably who you should go with it in the sense of putting on all the prosthetics of makeup and, you know, facial appliances. I mean, if you got it, you got it, but, um, 
you want to want to be wearing all that makeup when you're trying to do a performance, you know, biopics. So you got to be tapped into the audience. You're actually giving a real supposed believable performance, which is difficult because you're portraying somebody that they've already have an opinion of and know well for the most part. If they go to see a biopic, it's probably because they're highly interested or know a lot about that individual individual. So you really got to tap in. Um, and it can't just be about makeup. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm with the Hawkman on that always. So that was kind of got to the end of the films that we enjoyed. Are there any films coming up that that you wanted to see this year that you didn't get a chance to catch, or last year rather? Honestly, I think we touched on pretty much everything that I can think of at this moment. Um, oh. I do have some honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, Bermuda Island and Bloodthirst, two oh, films that I am in. Uh, you can find Blood uh, Bloodthirst by Lionsgate in any Walmart uh, right now. And Bermuda Island is currently on Tubi for free. So check that out. I wish I paid I paid to see Bermuda Island. I don't feel bad about paying for it. It was good. I, I got to see some of my favorite people in the world doing the acting. You know what I mean? I'm talking about Greg Talley, of course. But then after that, the great Alexander Hawk followed up. You know what I mean? Why, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, some films that I from from 2023 that I would like to see that I haven't seen thus far. Of course, Godzilla minus one. Everybody's been talking about it. Haven't had a chance to get out the theater to see it. Um, I know Ray Bootman. It'd be a good, loves Godzilla. Right? I'd actually really like to go go see that with Ray. Uh, next up, the Iron Claw um, mm. wrestling flick. You know, Lip yeah. from Shameless. Um, what's his name? Um, who's the dude? The other kid. Well, Zach Efron? Zach Efron, a dude who I have a lot of, I like now. Uh, he's more <laughs> than just a pretty boy to me. Well, all I have to say is that I I mean, I haven't seen the movie. I've only seen the trailer. I do have to give Zach Efron a lot of credit because he really bulked up. He, he's going to grow in. Efron, you're not going to, you, if everybody think, thought he was a pretty boy. But by the end of it, he's going to be his generation's Leonardo DiCaprio. You heard it here. You heard it here on the fir- first. Yeah, yeah. But Leo is just a pretty boy too, so you know. That's what I, I, w- I, would, I wouldn't give Zach Efron that kind of weight around his neck. I would, and they used to say that about Alex Hawk. He was just a pretty boy actor. He had no talent, and now we know that's not true. And yes, I do stand by that. Zach Efron is within time will be. His generation's Leonardo DiCaprio, so back the fuck up. I, I do have to say, what I love about looking at the trailer, yeah. when I first saw him all bulked up with that haircut, I yeah. was like, is this like the new He-Man movie? I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing him play He-Man, brother. Because I was like, Shit, I'm looking at him like, is, is he trying to take over Dolph Lundgren's part? <laughs> Only better looking. No offense to Delph Lundgren. All right, next up, uh, the Wonka movie. I I love Willy Wonka. I think the original with Gene Wilder is probably my top five favorite movies of all time, and that just automatically makes me a sucker for all the movies. And my interest to see them doesn't mean they're good or not. Like I was super excited to see Tim Burton's. I knew it wasn't going to be good, but I just like. Going in, I wanted to see inside of Tim Burton's brain of his version of it. And in the same way that I kind of do want to see the the prequel, if you will, uh, of how he became Wonka. Him, him as a young teenage boy, I believe. 
Um, it should be kind of a cool aspect with, you know, where effects are today and stuff like that. They should be able to do something cool. Um, they should, they should let Matt Fisher do a dark Wonka where he jumps through time. He takes the Wonka Vader to different galaxies and different times and he shows the extinction of humanity. And, and he steals all the chocolate from everybody. He goes to a, a Oompa Oompa planet and he takes all the chocolate and kills off the Oompa Oompas. The Oompa he puts them into slavery. Now the Oompa Loompas are really a species that ate humanity. But he had to round up, he had to kill off the majority of them and round up what ones he keeps in his factory because he can't let them die because if the aliens ever come, they're the only things that can save us from the aliens in a battle. So before the, the, the fucking G-Men come for us, I also want to say uh, Napoleon. Uh, I wouldn't mind checking out Napoleon, Ridley Scott directed. You know what I mean? Uh, our boy who's killing it, you know, Hakeem Phoenix. Doing it big. Big fan of the Boombastic cast. Always giving a shout-out and sending Christmas and birthday cards. I appreciate that, Mr. Phoenix. You know, your money is always, always a beautiful thing to catch on a March and December holiday season. Um, next up, Suitable Flesh, the Joe Lynch film. Heard good things. Barbara Crampton's in it. Can't go wrong with her. She doesn't age either. She must be a vampire. It's a, it's a very beautiful thing. Um, but I definitely want to check that out. You know what I mean? Uh, when the time comes, I heard great things. Uh, Billy told me great things. And I believe our, our friend Gail from the Sla- Scream Sisters was, was a big fan of it as well. Um, another thing with the good old, your boy, Hakeem Phoenix, Bo is Afraid, the Ari Aster film. Yeah, I do want to watch that. I haven't gotten around to seeing it's so, it yet. It's such a weird-looking movie that I don't know what to expect from it. And I haven't heard anybody say anything about it. I've heard a little bit of a little talk. That talk wasn't good talk, but I've heard a little bit of talk about it. i got to catch it before it gets too too far away or whatever, uh, or spoiled. But I'm very curious to check it out. And I like Ari. I think Ari is one of the best things going uh, right now in bigger cinema. Um, so I'm hoping that it's pretty good. You know what I mean? Uh, his first two outings, Hereditary is a masterpiece. Midsommar is very, very good. Not as good as mid, uh, as fucking Hereditary in my opinion, but not, um, that ain't no chop liver. You know what I mean? Um, next up, I would also have to say just from, the, I haven't even seen the trailer for this film yet, but I seen the poster and I seen that there was some buzz for it. Uh, Saltburn. Does that ring any bells for you? I've, I've like heard Bob about it, but I haven't seen the trailer or seen you, it. You should be credited on Behold as the chubby Bob Lazar. You have that look going right now. It's very good. Uh, Saltburn has, it looks like a weird thriller film. It's got the kid from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Have you seen that? Oh, no, no. I know of the kid, but I I haven't seen the movie. That movie, that was a movie that I seen in more, you know, in the last couple of years. And it was like, holy shit. That was a fucking great movie. Um, Same guy who did The Lobster. He also then did um, The Favorite, which was like a, that was terrible. He lost me with The Favorite. He was like, but he was killing it for a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, uh, seeing that salt burn flick. And then I had a catch up movie of 2023, which a catch up is just a movie that <clears throat> for, you know it took me forever to catch up on, which was the Ty West film X. You know, it's a horror movie. The horror people been loving, to saying it's the greatest thing since sliced toast. Uh, and then its sequel, Pearl, is supposedly better. I haven't caught up with Pearl yet, but I did catch up with X, and I thought it was fucking uh, superb. Ty West is another f- filmmaker that he's maybe the next batch of indie filmmakers after that Eli Roth um, batch we were talking about, Gaspar No, people like that. Um, yeah, I was going to say Harmony Corinne, but I think he's more in that 90s Tarantino, a little after the Tarantino, but roughly around there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, X, very cool horror flick, creepy, um, a lot of fun, you know what I mean? Uh, well, well put together. You know, you have a dude like Ty who's been making horror movies for the last 20 years, and he's 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 kind of mastered at this point. Ty's a dude, I, I, was, I was always curious that he didn't kind of pop off and he probably will after the success of both of those films, but he was kind of kicking around slowly getting bigger. And I'm like that Adam Wingard dude who was kind of in the underground, a lot of the route, which we've seen with Stephen C. Miller Wingard. And I think Ty will go there too. Is like for horror, you, you get your footing in the horror, do a bunch of successful horror, and then you branch into action films. And I think that that's where we'll go. Even like Adam Wingard started, did, that like Godzilla versus fucking King Kong movie, I think, and mm. it's just kind of the route. But yeah, I think uh, those are, those are that's what it was. <clears throat> that's where we're at. And uh, my good measure was Salt Burn, Blind Watch. Just seen the trailer for it, not the trailer, the poster. Should probably check out the trailer. It could be a horrible movie, and I'm just saying that it's the most anticipated. We'll say, I guess, it's a good way to do it. We'll say mm. so. You got a most anticipated film that you want to see that you haven't seen, or a couple? None that I can think of, to be perfectly well, honest. Well, I mean, to be uh, like the last year, I've been, you know, kind of working, you know, in a haze when it comes to watching movies. I mean, I watched a few, but I really didn't. I mean, nothing really called to me. Yeah. Um, the uh, Ryan Gosling stuntman movie that's coming out uh, sometime this year. Yeah, looked uh, mildly amusing, so I'll be uh, down to checking that out. But other than that, I can't really think of anything else. We need more Nicholas Winding Refn films. Speaking of Gosling, one of the one of the it's funny because you'll have these at these filmmakers that pop up. And they're like the brightest star, you know, like I, when he popped up, when he was killing it, he did three films that he was just maybe even, you might even say four films that were just fucking murdering it in that era. It was like nobody better. And then they just kind of go away. The same thing with like Jeremy Solner, you know, from like fucking Green Room and Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin. Just fucking boom, releases like these, these small group of movies that are incredible. And then... You don't hear from them. It's kind of a weird deal. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, even if they're not making movies, they're always welcome on the Bombastic cast. So with that being said, Alex, do we want to say anything else before we wrap up this up? No. Um, just that uh, uh, we'll see what 2024 has in store. Uh, hopefully there's a lot more interesting movies coming out. 
and uh, keep uh, keep listening to us. We got other people on the docket that we're going to be bringing by and uh, having uh, interviews with. Yeah, this is looking to be a fun year. You know what I mean? And we're glad everybody's back with us for another year. We appreciate everybody who listens. You know what I mean? We appreciate the support. While we're talking about support, we always like to say there is a, a Patreon page uh, for $5 a month and then upwards. You could be supporting the Boombastic family uh, financially, you know, helping keep the bills paid and all that good stuff or whatever they say. <clears throat> you could be listening for free wherever you listen to shows for free. But uh, if you're interested, check out the Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash boombastic streaming, ladies and gentlemen, all the podcast stuff, all the film stuff, you know, everything that we do with the booms up there. We appreciate the support. And even if you're just tuning in on the old Spotify or the iHeartRadios or Apples or whatever, uh, we appreciate that like and listen. We appreciate But go tell all your friends. You know, and then tell them to hit the Patreon page. So with that being said, we hope everybody had a great new year. We got a lot of great shite coming your way. So for Maddie Boy and Alexander, Happy New Year. And we'll catch y'all on the next Boombasticast. Peace. This show is a part of the Boombastic Media Network. If you enjoyed it, check out other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to watch and support the cause a little deeper, check out our Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming. That's Boombastic with two O's at Patreon.com for uncut videos of past and present from podcasts as well as early access and all types of Boombastic goodies. Our podcasts and films all in one place. Plug in. We appreciate you and your support.